the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's I on Real Estate on AM 970. The answer. This is I on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of I on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and I'm joined, okay, by our resident legal expert attorney, Steve Ebert, a partner at the prestigious firm, Kassin Kassin, and he's going to fill us in on the latest legal developments in the business. Of course, I'm Patty Herman. You're listening to Iron Real Estate, and we're talking about the new rules of, of, of real estate and how to be successful when you're, make, when you're making an offer or you're trying to purchase a home. Some of the things that a seller needs to know when they're picking someone, because there's been many multiple offers. And I think, Stephen, I heard a little about so 1031 like-kind exchanges, and maybe you'd like to tell everyone about what they are and how to use them and when you should use them. Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it was great to be on. Yeah, there's a lot. there's a lot of news of things going on, and one of them, which is really important for real estate investors – and also business owners who may own the real estate in which they operate their business out of. Um, there is a provision in the tax code that's been around for decades called the Section 1031 like-kind exchange. And on its most basic level, what it allows you to do, and this is one of the powers of, of real estate as an investment category over other areas, is that you could sell a property and buy a property and normally when you sell a property, if you've made a profit, you have to pay capital gains tax. But if you follow the rules and you buy a sufficient amount of the new real estate, you can defer. And if you do it right, you can defer permanently paying any capital gains tax. So it's a real great technique. And what's interesting about it is some people think, oh, it's something that you can only do as a very, very sophisticated you know, investor only works if a large commercial building or something like that. And that's not even true. I mean, I've seen investors do it even on a studio condominium in New York City. So it, it's a great tax saving technique um, for, for our clients. Well, how long do you now, have to do been... that? I mean, Steve, does it have to be your primary? It doesn't have to be your primary res- residence, does it? It could be anything. Well, no, no, guess the opposite. This shelter is not for your primary residence or your, your summer vacation home. This is for investment or business property. Um, and uh, so if you're using it that way, if you're renting it out, and by the way, you could be an unsuccessful landlord, right? You could rent it out and it could be empty. You're still an investor. So keep that in mind, too. It doesn't have to be currently rented. Okay, so in other words, or, 
Yeah, well, let me ask you something. What if you have a second home, and like I see a lot of people have a second home, and maybe they'll rent it out, they'll use it some portion, and then they'll rent it out for like a month or so. Is there a time that you have to use it, or that it has to be rented, or just or how does that work? That's it's it's a great question. You're limited on how if you want to be able to take advantage of this tax law. And I want to be clear to the audience: there's a lot of different tax rules out there. So right now, only when talking about 1031s, you can't. You're very limited on how much you can personally in it use it. Generally, you're limited to two weeks out of the year for personal use, and the rest of the year you have to treat it like an investment property if you want to be in compliance for this tax saving technique. But now, but let me just so that that's clear. So let's just assume that you only use it two weeks, and let's assume that you um, don't rent it, but you don't, but you're not staying in it more than two weeks. So, but there's qualify for 1031 like kind of exchange so if you only How would they if know? You use it person sure so if you only use it you know under two weeks out of the year and you otherwise hold it out what we call for investment purposes right as long as so let's say you're trying to rent it and maybe the market right. is not where you thought it was that's okay but as long as you're treating it like an investment property Right. Plenty of times, and think of it more in the commercial world than residential, you see for rent signs in a store. And it could right. be that the landlord can't come to an accommodation with a tenant. But that doesn't mean they're not trying to rent it. It doesn't mean that it's not an investment property. Um, right, right. So that's okay. It, it, it can be empty as long as you're treating it like you would as that business trying to rent out the property. Then it's okay. So can, um, can you explain so, what a, a, great, a 1031 exchange is exactly? Sure. So, so what, what it does, it allows you, normally when you sell something, if you've made a profit, you've got to pay capital gains tax. And unfortunately, the rates have you know, gone up, and you might have to pay not only on the federal level, but you might have to also pay on the state level, depending upon what state you're in. So pretty much every state in the country – Really, the only state that doesn't have a law in it is Pennsylvania, um, has some version of mirroring the 1031 rule in which if you successfully and you meet the rules, and there are some timing requirements, there's certain dollar amounts to keep in mind, but if you meet those rules, whatever capital gains tax you would have had to pay, you get to kick the can down the road and not pay it now. And if you keep on reinvesting, you actually never have to pay that tax ever. That's what the current rule is. And I'll tell you, Dottie, it's been around for many, many decades. It's great. And what's so important about it, it makes people have that decision to say, I'm going to invest in real estate, but also I'm going to keep on growing that investment and improving the property. And, you know, what things, what people need to keep in mind, and this is going to get to my next point because there's some uh, current news on this point, is that even if you've made a profit, it doesn't mean you have the cash on hand, right? When you, when you have to sell that real estate for a gain and you reinvest the money, you may not be actually cashing out at that time, even though on paper you've grown in net worth. And the 1031 rules understand that. What, what they understand is, wait a minute, I'm not cashing out my money. I am investing more. I'm reinvesting. I'm growing a real estate portfolio. And this is where... 
is a little bit of troubling news, but hopefully we'll have a positive result. Last year, there was a discussion in which there could be limits on a 1031, right? The current law is that you could sell a property for, you could have a gain of 100,000, a million, 10 million, and as long as you reinvest properly, you could defer, fully defer any capital gain. Last year, there was a discussion that is brought up by the White House and into the Congress to say, well, maybe we'll still allow 1031, but we'll put a cap on how much you can defer. So if you're going to have a $5 million profit, maybe you can only defer a million, not the full five or something like that. Thankfully, that did not go anywhere. Unfortunately, the, it sort of reared its ugly head again. Now, what I'm explaining as the law is still good law, but what happened is, um, so the Biden administration put out proposed concepts for next year, 2023's budget. And so as part of that, okay. the Department of Treasury has to issue a report giving some highlights of what they're thinking of doing. And one of those items is they're talking about 1031s again, and they want to limit the amount that you can shelter at half a million of gain per taxpayer for every time you do a 1031. So let me explain what I mean by this. Let's say you're in New York, and let's say by the time you're done, you sell a property, and you, let's say, you've held it for 10 years, and let's say it went up a million dollars, okay? By the time you're done with federal and state, you might have to pay 300000 of that in taxes, let's say. If you do a 1031 right, you could defer the whole thing and not pay any taxes. What they want to do is propose a law. This is the first proposal. We'll see what happens. This is what's coming out of the budget, where only the first half a million you're allowed to do a 1031 on, but then you'd have to pay tax on the other half million in the case of a $1 million profit, which would still be a very significant tax. Um, I think if they do that, it's going to hurt a lot of people, including a lot of small investors. I've seen this firsthand. And what's going to happen is, it will make it harder to do a 1031 because now you're only getting a partial deferral and we got to see how the rules would work, but you're still reinvesting money. Um, I, I think it's a terrible idea. Um, and it, this is just a proposal. It's not even before fully the Congress yet. They haven't voted on it. And I would encourage anyone who is interested in real estate investing you know, to speak to their member of Congress and, and let them know this was tried last year and it was rejected, which was the right thing. And they should really um, leave, leave an area of tax law that's been mainly untouched for decades. Just leave it alone because you sh people should have the opportunity to have certainty in planning because people have long-term strategies, particularly in real estate. Right. So with a 1031 exchange, basically, and it's good for investment properties, you can cash that actually sell that property, but you have to reinvest it in another property. Are there any rules, Steve, that they should have to be similar, or is there a time frame you have to do it within? I'm pretty sure there is. I just yeah, forgot. Two, Maybe. Two, two, yeah, yeah very, two very important questions. So the first one, if you look up the full name, you'll see people calling it a 1031 like-kind exchange. Generally speaking, all of real estate is like-kind. 
So you could sell a condo and buy a house. You could sell a house and buy an office building. You can sell an office building and buy an industrial factory. So generally speaking, all real estate is fine. And you can also work in different states and you can own it individually. You can own it in a company. Um, You don't have to be a U.S. citizen to take advantage of it. So there's a lot of great things about it, and it really encourages investment. Now, the timing so is very important. So let me ask you, so if, right, but if I had like a property, let's just say in the Hamptons, and now I said, you know what, I'm going to sell that, I'm get top dollar, and I'm going to buy an investment property in Florida. Does it matter that it's a different state? It doesn't, or it's as no. long as it's just a like property? Yeah. Yeah, so generally it doesn't matter. So remember, Section 1031 is a federal law. So you're allowed to, for the federal purposes, buy and sell in all 50 states, Washington, D.C., even Guam and the U.S. Virgin Islands. They all work. So now what does happen is a couple of states out there, they do treat you differently on the state level if you buy within the same state or you buy in a different state. But in your example of New York and Florida, doesn't matter. You can. It, it makes no difference. The states will respect it. Those two states, whether you buy in the state or out of state. So you'd be great in your example. Right. So a lot of people use that. Like you said, it's been around um, for a long time. And again, if you don't know about it and you do have something you're going to sell that's not your primary residence, I really should inquire about it because it really is a great vehicle to avoid paying all those taxes right away. I mean... Actually, I'll have them on the show one day. There's a company that I'm on the board of. It's called Picasso. And, you know, it's it, they have this program out now. It's been around for about a year, but they haven't kicked it off in our area yet. They are probably going to kick it off in the Hamptons, so they did in California. And what it is is, um, you know, it's almost like timeshare except timeshare was you don't own anything. You get like two weeks or however you you get time property. This is where it's ownership. So like if you had a second home and you wanted to, and you didn't use it that much, you could actually sell shares of your of ownership. Um, because I think second homes are going to be big. I think people, uh, especially, you know, when, when there's so much uncertainty going on in this world, um, I think real estate, as long as you, you know, as long as you don't have to sell it right away because it's not a liquid investment and you, you can't just call the bank and say, oh, I'm selling it, but you can refinance. And you know what, Steve, <coughs> so many people, if you bought a house within the last couple of years, you, you've made money. I mean, people, uh, the houses have gone up so much. So if you have equity in your home that you, you know, you, you're really sitting on that money and you're not making it work for you. And this is really where somebody's making their work, their, their, their investment money work for them and not get taxed at this time. You know, probably you push it off till your tax bracket is lower. Um, so I hope they don't take that away, but I think they'll have a lot of heat if they try to take it away. I think there'll be a big fight. I think in the end, um, I don't think they'll be successful in changing it. I hope not, but I don't think so. But I think it's very important that people know what's going on. And um, and, and so that's why it's really a public service for, for people, particularly in the real estate community, to be aware of it. 
and speak up. Take a look, you know, online. I, I posted a note about it on LinkedIn and, um, you know, talk to your member of Congress and explain, look, you're hurting, you're really hurting everyone. And particularly in a market like New York City, where people buy and live in individual condos as a primary second home as an investment, right? There's a lot of interchangeability. Look at a lot of these condo towers. You have a mix of ownership. If you start attacking one segment of those owners and changing the tax rules, you will affect the values on everyone. So I would argue that, particularly in a market like New York City, even if you personally are not buying investment real estate, it could affect values on your primary residence because by changing the rules on investors, it makes it less attractive for them to invest in it. And at the end of the day, it's all about supply and demand. If you have fewer people demanding that product, that will affect prices overall. So I think it's very important that people speak up about this issue to their elected officials. Yeah, it's a good point because people complain, but they don't speak up, and you've got to speak up. You know, I was um, in the beginning of the show, I was talking with Thomas Drew on, on, on basically what predictions that I have. And, again, whatever predictions you might read, and I've read a million things. You know, we're in a bubble. Uh, we could go into a recession. I mean, you know, but again, stuff that is basically vanilla doesn't make the news. What do you see as the next year or two in real estate? Yeah, I think overall you, you still, still generally positive. Still? I, I would say overall generally positive, especially on the residential side. And you got to obviously separate residential from commercial. And I think a few things right. going on. You know, number one is that, you know, people still need a place to live. So what it could do is you could have maybe some impact on the margins, but the reality is rates are still excellent, right? They've gone up and people do That's have a I little think. bit of sticker shock because they've moved up a bit in a very short period of time, right? You know, the people who were shopping in January versus now in April, they saw a big movement in rates and they need to rethink in some cases what they can afford. But generally speaking, rates are very, very low. And so that's something important to keep in mind. Um, that's number one. Number two, you are seeing, in my opinion, a shift on how companies are handling their workforces. You know, we talked a few months ago, a lot of companies were toying with going fully remote. And, and if, you, if you recall, I didn't think that that was a realistic option. And what we're seeing is more and more like, well, hybrid, partially in. So I don't think people are walking away from the office towers. I think, and you're, you're starting to see an increased return to work. I think we're below where we should be and where we need to be, but it's trending the right way. And, and I think this is about, you know, a broader conversation. I think once you sort of have more and more people coming in, it builds upon itself. You know, the, the, well, you know, the very famous, sorry, go ahead. I look at what happens, and, you know, if you're in the city um, and you see some of these store owners that are small and they, you know, they haven't really come back yet because um, it hurts the smaller owners and big ones. When people don't go to work, that affects, uh, it affects the, the boutiques, it affects the restaurants because if you don't go to work, let's face it, I if you're going to work out of your home, I doubt you'll be taking, you'll maybe take a lunch break, but you're going to take it and eat in your own house. You're not going to run out from your house and go out and have lunch. So remote work is 
you know, I, I agree with you. There'll be some form of it, but a lot of companies are really pushing their employees to go back to work because that supports all the small businesses, boutiques that you walk around. I think we have a break coming up. Um, Maybe you could stay on the line and just finish up because I think we have a break. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in a Capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. This product is life-changing. And I tell everyone what a blessing Balance of Nature Fruits and Vegetables is. It's amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm telling you right now, this is an amazing thing. 30 days after taking this, everything is, is perfect. I could not be more happy. What a blessing. So good job, Balance of Nature. Good job. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code the answer. Start your morning off right on Wednesday, April 27th at the Salem Business Breakfast. Joe Piscopo and his team will be broadcasting live. Arthur Idala will be moderating an engaging expert panel discussion. And a delicious gourmet breakfast by DR Catering will be provided for all attendees. The menu includes scrumptious scrambled eggs, crisp sizzling bacon, turkey sausage, plentiful home fries, fresh almond mini croissants right out of the oven, bagels and cream cheese, yogurt parfaits and fresh fruit, Plus the famous Al Gattulo egg cups. Trust us, it's worth getting up for. We'll have plenty of coffee. Come join us Wednesday, April 27th, 6 to 10 a.m. at Bergen Community College's Sikone Theater. We'll have fun networking and learning from the experts. It's a free event, but you must register. Go to am970theanswer.com and click the banner. That's am970theanswer.com. See you there. Coffee's provided by Zing Coffee. Mother's Day is coming, and so is the challenge. What do you give the mom that gave you everything? This Mother's Day, give the gift of a lifetime of memories. Digitize forever. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Nick. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago to simplify preserving footage of mom's wedding, your first steps, and all the milestone moments that made your mom, mom. Over a million families have trusted Legacy Box to convert those meaningful moments. Legacy Box is simple, safe, and affordable. Simply fill your Legacy Box with photos, film, and tapes. Our team of experts will do the rest. Not to mention, you'll get back your originals and new digital copies on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud, ready to relive and share for generations. Make your mom feel extra special this Mother's Day with what Real Simple calls the perfect gift. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get early access to our Mother's Day sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for an unbelievable deal. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Hi. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate. We were just finishing up. Um, 1031 Like Kinds Exchanges with Stephen, our ever our legal expert. So, Stephen, what would you, um, what do you want to recommend for people to know? Because we, you just said the bill doesn't, it's not approved yet. It's coming up. Maybe that they're going to try to get it through. Is there anything that people should know ahead of time? Or just be aware that it might change. 
Yes. Yeah, so most importantly, if this were to go through, it affects deals in 2023. So number one, if you have a transaction pending, this will not have any impact. So that's an important point to keep in mind. Don't be panicked. Number two, this is an initiative coming from the White House. As everyone knows, we have a very divided Congress. Um, it's very close to 50-50, 50-50 in the Senate um, with right. the VP that can uh, pry break a little bit in the, in the House. So, and, and we have an election year. So I, in the end of the day, I think it will be very tough for the White House to get this through. So what I'm hopeful is that the law is just going to stay the way it is, which I think is for the benefit uh, of the real estate industry um, and the country. Um, so I wouldn't be too panicked about it, but I think it's very important uh, that people just not take it for granted that they you know, speak up about this important issue. Again, I would say 1031s are a great tool. And really, I have a lot of very small investor clients, and they're selling a studio condo. And the cost to do a 1031, the additional cost, is really very small to the transaction. So it really works out well for a lot of clients, and the economics work well. So definitely something to keep in mind if you're not experienced doing it and you do own investment in real estate, or if you're converting your, let's say, vacation home to an investment property, just how you're treating it from a tax point of view, definitely something to be aware of and talk about. Absolutely. And so that's something that you should know. And if you do have second homes that you're using as investments, um, definitely know that they're still available. 1031s, people use them all the time. And if that's something that you have, you can postpone that tax burden for a long time. So, Stephen, like just anything that you think has changed that people should know about? I mean, other than, um, like I said, that, you know, you don't, have, you, you don't have time to look around. I mean, you have to know what you want and make your best offer first. Are there, are there questions that are people asking you? Like, are they saying, how long do you think this market's going to last? I know a lot of people ask me, should I buy now? Should I wait? What are what are some of the most what are some of you know your clients what are some of the most you know, questions they ask you about real estate and I know you do a lot of commercial and residential but either or yes yeah, so we do both so let me start with the residential and then we'll go to the commercial I mean I have a client right now who's been renting for about twenty years that they're now finally buying and you know part of it was oh it wasn't the right time and, and they've sort of realized hey you know there's never the perfect time. But boy, even if they timed it wrong, they could have picked any quarter in the last 20 years and made money versus renting. You know, so they, they came to that realization. The biggest thing about residential real estate, if you're holding it for a little bit of time, you're not looking for a quick flip, generally speaking, you're, you're going to do fine, you know, from an investment point of view. You make a little more, a little bit less, but it, it really, the numbers really pan out. Um, over time. So if all of a sudden you say, eh, I'm worried because the rates went up a little bit. Well, where were you when the rates were coming down? Right? I, I posed that out there not to give anyone a hard time, but you could always come up with a reason to say not to do something. Well, you got to ask yourself is what's your next best alternative? Right? What What's going to happen if my rent goes up? What's going to happen if I can't really choose um, you know, where, where I can live or having control. And what's the real tax benefit of writing a rent check each month um, as opposed to building equity? So, so that's the stuff I would consider. 
again, and you, and you got to make see what makes sense for your own financial position. But that's what's to really think about on the residential side. On the commercial side, you know, I think the retail industry it's still it's going to be tough for some time. You know, we're seeing office workers come back, and I think you got to look neighborhood by neighborhood, and where you start seeing certain areas where you're seeing the numbers there, where you have the people coming back, then you see the supporting establishments really also grow and prosper. So for anyone who is sort of saying, look at the average statistics across metropolitan area, they're making a huge mistake. You really got to look very, very hyper-local within neighborhoods. Um, because I'm seeing some well, areas where the neighborhood. retail... No, I said, you know, you have to look at, at 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 rent, and also you have to look at rents because, you know, you're not really, rents are at their highest. I mean, rents are high. So, you know, if you can afford to buy something and you're going to be in it for three to five, at least five years, I would say, probably, um, it's not like you're saving a lot of money on rent. The rents are off the wall. Uh you know, I, I, you know, New York is pretty much back to what it was during before the pandemic, and um, in some states, like you know, some like in Florida, I think it's a good, the prices are like from this year to last year they're up about God knows twenty percent. So I, I think you know, real estate is still hot, and people, like you said at the beginning of the show, people understand it, they know it, and and. As far as long-term investment, you're leveraging your money, okay? You're, you're, it's one of the investments you don't have to use all your cash. You can leverage it. You have tax benefits. And hopefully, Stephen, one day, I don't know if this will ever happen, but it is, one day maybe they'll bring the full tax benefits back to high stakes. Is there a cap now? There's a cap on how much you can deduct where um, when you have real estate taxes that are very high. Um, so hopefully they'll so, take that away one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're talking about is what we call the salt limitation. Now that's the state and local tax limitation. Um, I do want to point out that's applicable for your primary residence and vacation home. That those rules are not applicable on investment property. So on investment property, there's no numerical cap. But what happened was uh, about five years ago when the tax law changed, um, you were limited in which you conduct up to $10,000 of state income tax and, uh, you know, and or property taxes combined together. Um, so there is that limit which didn't exist beforehand. Um, I very much hope that they will repeal that. What's interesting is not surprising um, as the result, but a number of states, including New York, was actually appealing the law saying it was unconstitutional, and in the last week, um, the states actually lost the case in federal court. Um, Wait, why were they saying it was case, unconstitutional? Well, the, the states were trying to argue that it, the federal government did not have the right to re effectively regulate a write-off based on the amount of state taxes. Um, you know, legally... Well, well, look, economically, I would love for the states to be right, because I would love to have that write-off on my tax return and pay less taxes. Oh, so but legal, legally, the, the states were wrong, and that's why they lost. I mean, it wasn't even, I think, a close call, in my opinion. I mean, the federal government can absolutely say, here are the rules and what you can take a deduction on or not. 
Um, and, and it was tough because this is sort of the bitter pill for New York State. As New York State was arguing that the federal government must allow one to be able to take a deduction for all your New York State income taxes, at the same time while they're arguing that, the New York State policy is that if you're a New York City resident, you cannot deduct your New York City income tax on your New York State return. So it's kind of hard to argue that, you know, the federal government can limit the states and, and the states that's wrong while at the same time the state is doing that to the city. Um, so they, they really had an uphill argument. So I'm not surprised that they lost the case. Um, this is really something that has to happen in the Congress. Um, I, I think at the moment, you know, it, it's not happening so fast. Again, it's an election year um, in the Congress. And it's very, very close in many ways, so I don't foresee the change. But I think it's a really, really important point to get out there because, again, it goes to show you when you start taking long-established principles that people rely on and you start changing the rules, you know, it messes up people's plans accordingly. Sometimes it's better to have a law that's imperfect, but people have certainty versus just radically changing the law and now things are upended. Thank you so much, Stephen. I I really think that's so important for people to know. And you know, we look we're again we we are looking at a strong market still, and we're in our spring market now. So again, if you're out there buying, know your stuff, get on it, have all the paperwork done. And when your broker says there's something new to come out, don't mess around. We'll see it right away. And put in your best foot forward, your best offer. So thank you, and we'll talk next week with all our new legal, anything new legally that you need to know. We're always informing you. You'll be know everything there is to know about real estate and what affects you. Our listener show. Thank you, Stephen. And we are now... Thanks. Have a great weekend. Have, thank you, too. Dan Sater. Uh, Dan Sater is our credit coach and he is going to tell you about what you need to know before applying for a mortgage. Dan? Good morning, Dan. Hi, good morning, Dottie. That's kind of closer to the afternoon, so I'll say like kind of, I don't know, good morning, good <laughs> afternoon, whatever. Uh, but if you've been up since six like me, it's not feels like this afternoon. So, Dan, <laughs> thank you so much for being on our show as usual. Um, we were talking about all the new rules today. And you were going to talk about what you need to know before you apply for a mortgage because I told everyone they have to have a commitment before they really even should book. Are we having a break? Yes. So, Dan, I think you're going to have to wait for the break, but I'd like you to talk about what you need to know before applying for a mortgage. The Salem Business Breakfast is back, and it's happening on April 27th. Hear from an expert panel on all things business. Gain invaluable insights that can't be found anywhere else. It's happening on Wednesday, April 27th at the fabulous Saccone Theater at Bergen Community College in Paramus with legendary attorney Arthur Idala as moderator. Joe Piscopo will be broadcasting live with the whole AM 970 morning team. A gourmet breakfast from DR Catering will be served. Hey, be sure to bring lots of business cards to enter for several great prizes. 
You'll come away with information, contacts, and motivation to grow your business. Entry is free, but you must register online at am970theanswer.com. That's am970theanswer.com. The Salem Business Breakfast is sponsored by Magna Flood, Inc. Coffee is provided by Zing Coffee. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Need your attention just for a second. Coming up in a few days, you're going to hear us with our friends from Food for the Poor. They have been very, very active in helping Ukrainian refugees since the war broke out. And in fact, you're going to be able to provide 600 meals for a gift of only $150 for some mothers and children who don't have their husbands or fathers in their lives because they are defending their homes and their country. You're going to be able to join us. You're going to be able to make a difference. Many of you have asked, what can I do that will make a tangible difference for the Ukrainian refugees? Food is the number one item that they need. And Food for the Poor is expert at delivering it. Please join us in the days to come. But if you want to give a gift early, call right now. Call 855-919-4673. That's 855-919-4673. You can also give online at am970theanswer.com. But just call right now. 855-919-4673. You have helped build MyPillow into an amazing company. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to you. Get great discounts on all MyPillow products. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow's mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. Mike's newest product is MyPillow towels made in the USA with 100% USA cotton, offering a six-piece set of bath, hand, and washcloths in a variety of colors. Originally priced at $109.99, now for a limited time reduced to $39.99. You heard right, $39.99 with the promo code AM970. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Call 800-651-0798 for these great specials. That's 800-651-0798, promo code AM970. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to Eye on Real Estate. I'm here with Dan Fader, who's been on our show, God knows, from how many years already. So, Dan, <laughs> when you're talking about applying for a mortgage, what do people need to know ahead of time? Well, the, the the key thing on applying for a mortgage is that you need to prepare well in advance. The first thing, and I've said this, you know, a thousand times, that you need to check your credit report and your credit scores to see what you have on there. There could be files from other people. There could be mistakes and errors that that are reported that lower your credit score that could bar you from being approved for a mortgage. Uh, the, the big problem is that a credit report and credit score is a snapshot in time that's 30 to 45 days old. So okay. what you did 30 to 45 days is now being reported and updating on your credit report because all lenders and creditors only report once each month. So it takes a while for information to get uh, updated, even if you paid off an account. You know, it can be 15, 20, 30, 50, you know, 45 days sometimes uh, for that to get updated on the credit report. So you need to prepare in advance and you need to check your credit report to see if there's anything that's negative on it that, that needs to come off. 
The problem with uh, credit uh, scoring and, and negative items reporting is that your score drops very quickly when you have something negative reporting, but it takes a longer time for it to build back up. So it, it's important to go after a lot of these things and get them off at least a few months before you even consider going out and looking for the house. Unfortunately, a lot of people go out shopping for a house. When they find a house they fall in love with, then they start thinking about if they qualify. Exactly. And, and, and they it, have to it do that a lot of advance. people from getting mortgages. So what would your advice be? So when somebody, uh, I, I, you know, I think you should do this before you find a house, obviously. So now there's three, you, know, you can, there's three different credit things. There's equal, there's a three of them. So how would somebody go about it? Should they just call you and have you do it? Should they go look at their credit? Should they go online and look at a credit report for well, themselves? Well, yeah, well, since we're talking about mortgages, they really need to see their mortgage score because seeing your FICO 8 score or your auto score or your credit card score isn't going to tell you what you need to know. And you can only get your FICO um, uh, classic model, which is what it's called, 2, 4, and 5, from either a mortgage lender or from myfico.com. At myfico.com, you get five sets of different scores that are used for different industries, including that classic model score that's going to be used by your lender. So that's the score you want to see, and it's a great way to pull up your credit report, see if there's anything wrong reporting on it, and to see where your scores are at. That'll give you the ammunition to start realizing what you need to do. And one of the first things that I always tell people is, and it's the easiest way to add points to your score, is to pay down credit cards. Credit cards are scored the most severely of any other type of loan because you have total control over whether you abuse it, you run it up and max out the credit, or if you do it, use it responsibly. So just to give you an idea, if somebody has five or six credit cards that are maxed out, they can lose 100, 125 points instantly. So it's a very important area. And you kind of have the sweet spot where if you pay it down below about 30%, uh, you get the biggest bang for the bucks. Below 10% would help even more, but not everybody can pay all their cards down that, that much that quickly. But this is something that you need to, to take care of in advance to gain those extra points. Uh, if you don't have too much credit, being added on a family member's credit card as an authorized user, especially one that's older, where you get more points for that, and one that has higher credit limits, which would lower your utilization rate, which adds more points, is, is an ideal way, again, to quickly boost up your credit score if your low scores are a little low in uh, getting you qualified for a mortgage. So, so what should someone do if they don't have a good, if they don't have a lot of credit, you're saying that they should go on with somebody else? Yeah, if they get added on as an authorized user, it's kind of the best of all worlds because they can t take you off the card card anytime they want. You can take yourself off if that card goes bad, and you're borrowing their credit history, not their credit. That means they don't need to give you the card 
and you don't need to use the card. But when it reports on the other people's credit report, it will also report on yours as if it were yours. That's really important. That's really good to know. You know, when you say that there's so many mistakes, I will not forget when I was buying one, I forgot which house I was buying, I think my house in the Hamptons, and there was a charge on my credit report. Like, you know when you pay for charges? There was a charge that I didn't ever apply for, but they, I forgot how much it was, you know, but you paid for that charge card. And I never used it, and I never applied for it, and they had that charge as an unpaid bill that I as unpaid, which I never used. So I was able to clear that up. But I don't think that a lot of people realize your mortgage rates. I mean, even if you, you know, you find the right bank and you find a good rate, if your credit's not pristine, then you're not going to get that rate that they advertise. Just because they right, advertise right. that they have that rate. <clears throat> And I don't think people realize that. Just because they say that they have this rate available doesn't mean you will get that rate. If you're, that's for people who have yeah. perfect credit. The best credit. Right? They're always going to advertise their best rate. <laughs> well, Even I mean, they would be foolish to advertise their worst rate. I mean, <laughs> so, but I think that people don't realize that's why, as Dan said, you, you want to have this all done ahead of time before you're actually out there looking and you're going to make an offer because today you don't have time. Something comes out, if it's good, you've got to act on it right away. You don't have time to first send through paperwork. So this is all now that you should do ahead of time. Now, is it true, Dan, that whenever you ask for a credit report that it, you you don't want to ask for too many credit reports. So every time they check your credit, does that? I, I remember hearing. Well, you said that, you, you know, said you said two different things here. If they a lender checks your credit report, yeah, you don't want to have a, a number of credit inquiries, especially all within a short period of time. However, if you check your credit report, you can do it a hundred times a week. Um, it's not scored. It's considered what they call a soft pull. And it only appears on a credit report that's sent to you by the, one of the companies. It's not appearing to any of the lenders on their credit reports. So like with MyFICO.com, that's a soft pull because you're not applying for credit. You're just checking your own credit. Right. So one of the things that I, I, I think that – People should know is so when someone uses you and employs you to help them, will you take a look at their credit and then what do you what service do you actually provide so that that buyers know what they can expect that you'll do for them? Well, I, I do a, a total audit of their credit report, both good and bad, to see where there are areas of weakness. There are five major areas that you're scored in. And a lot of people concentrate on their payment history, but that only accounts for about 35% of your score. So I will look at all the different areas. Um, on the negatives, uh, those are the type of things what we as a credit repair company go after to help boost up their credit scores. But there's also things that people can do themselves, like 
the authorized user, for example, in some cases, that will help boost up their score on their own or ways of rebalancing and, and doing things a little differently that will maximize the number of points that they'll get on their credit. So we give them that type of advice and education on things that can hurt them and things that will also benefit their scores that they can do on their own. Okay. Now, I'm just reading that student loan debt in the U.S. exceeds $1.7 trillion. Um, and that's, you know, more than credit card or auto, auto debt that the school, the school loan, student loan debt is more than anything. So that counts, too, if you have student loan debts, right? I mean, so you've got to kind of try to look at all your debts. And take yes, some absolutely. of them down, and then you would, right? And you would like kind of pick what they should pay down. And again, I, I think I said at the beginning of the show, don't buy anything that needs financing going forward. Right. Matter of fact, now, and of course, this was when the credit interest rates were a lot higher than it is now, but we're getting back up there at, at this point. But um, I did an analysis one time, and I found that you lose about thirteen thousand dollars in purchasing power for every $100 of debt that you have on your credit report. So you buy a car that's costing you $600 a month, that's a lot of money, and it may disqualify you for a particular house that you may want. So you've got to be very careful on that. And you also get another penalty for having new credit. That can drop you another 15 to 25 points. When you so, say having new credit, meaning you took out something, a new loan? Yeah, you apply for a new loan, you'll get, your score will take a little bit of a hit. Now, if you okay, get so a let card, me ask, let's say, You know how when you go to stores, especially around the holidays, they're like, oh, if you uh, take our store credit card, you can save 10% on this purchase or something of that nature. Or if you take a credit card with our, 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 our company, you know, our store, then you can get a discount. Now, what if you have a lot of credit cards, like, but you really don't use them? Like, you maybe use two or three, and then you have, like, 10 or 12 you credit keep, cards. You should keep all the credit cards active. Yeah, you shouldn't have a balance of more than three or four credit cards at a time. You should rotate those credit cards to keep them active at least every three to six months. That's great. But, Stan, listen, you have to come back on. We didn't quite finish, so hopefully you can come back on next week. Okay, it's going because this is so important. Okay, good. Okay, and your interest rate is going to depend on your credit. So you want to know everything you have to do and get it order, and it's going better than Dan. We are going to sign off. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.